We interrupt your regularly scheduled just off point to tell you a little something that Joe and I did a few years ago that he finally has the balls to bring into light. Gee, thank you, Dexter. And I'm here to talk about my book, Somniphobia 2, an anthology. In fact, you'll get to see my full name on the cover. Right, and you'll get to see my full name on the cover, too. Um, well, Your full no, name's I'm, not on the cover? It's not on the cover. It's on ah, the back. It's not. It's on the it's back. It's on the back. Yes. Well, so Somnophobia 2, if I could describe it in a few words, is Joe's um, anthology of poems and short stories that he wrote um, during the time of his life when he was aspiring to do more writing. Gee, what happened to that, Mr. Writer's Block? Well, I am no longer in Writer's Block. Now I just have to sit down and actually write something, much like how I did with this book. A crap ton of poetry and uh, some short stories. And um, I'd like to think it's pretty ambitious. It was ambitious. Playful. You know what? Yeah. You are, it's, it's you. It's very much you. And it speaks from your soul. It speaks from your experience. And it speaks to the things that you're into. It's, I, I, the reason why I jumped into the project is because, Joe, as much as I joke with you, you actually are somebody that I respect in terms of your ambition and your drive. And I saw that in this book. I just saw that you also didn't know how to cross your T's and dot your I's, which is where I came in. First of all, I have a lot of things to say. You just turned them into words, and my job's done. <laughs> so, if you guys out there are at all interested and you're, you want to support the podcast, it would be great. Check, out an, check it out on Amazon.com. Somniphobia 2, an anthology by Mark Joseph Cruz. Edited by Robert Dexter Rivera. This is Just Off Point, where representation matters. We're your hosts, I'm Joe. And I'm Dexter. And today we're going to be featuring author, director, and awesome person extraordinaire, Aiden Phoenix. Yay! Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Um, Dexter? Yeah. So, so one of the reasons why we wanted to do this episode was because, Joe, you and I were talking with your fiancé, asking us about... Uh, uh, and she was the one that brought it up that we need to do more content that's talking about issues because we talked about it when we first started this this uh, podcast. But we actually, with the exception of the one where we had um, your friend, um, the psychologist, come in. Oh, man. Uh, I still have PTSD from that episode. Yeah. Joe and I talked a lot about uh, uh, Joe's, Joe's dad passed away, unfortunately, during the pandemic. And um, we talked a lot about like... Uh, that and just max mass toxic masculinity and stuff in general. I got, I got both of us in tears. Um, no, it was just you, man. I don't know what you're talking about. And <laughs> <laughs> in, in any case, though, in any case, um, one of the things that I brought up to uh, one of the things that we were talking about was the, the um, representation, especially because we're seeing all these uh, different forms of representation in different medias. Um, we Doctor Strange is premiering this weekend, and we've got um, America Chavez um, in it. But um, it's barely, um, I got a pop of it. But we're seeing places like Funko, like, you know, their, uh, what you call it, um, uh, Calavera designs. It's blurry, but you can't see, but it's fine. Um, licensing, yeah. man, licensing. Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, um, it brings us to this question, like, you know, when was the last time you saw yourselves in American media? I say American media, Joe, because I'm sure you saw yourself all the time in the Philippines. 
I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, there's a few like Southeast Asian Filipinos in like American media that, um, but there is actually one one that really made me laugh. And I'm like, you know what? A lot of a lot about that was true. And now I'm doubting myself. It was if it was that movie, but I think it was Yes Man, where they had this uh, uh, Filipino nurse guy, and I'm like, and they're making fun of him because he's a nurse and he's a guy, and then he's like, like yeah, nurses can be guys. And like yeah, okay, one Filipino nurse. Yeah, okay, that's that's a funny little little thing. And then he's confident. And then the funny thing is, it's like he's not bothered about it, about it. And then when they see him, they try to get his motorcycle because they're surprised that he drives a motorcycle, and he's definitely compensating for that uh, masculinity thing going on. So I'm like, you know, th- this is this is hilarious. <laughs> didn't you go to school for nursing? And didn't you also try to drive a motorcycle? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about you, Kaden? The last time or the first time I've seen myself. Um, First time, how about both? First time first and then last time after. Okay, so the first time, I was very lucky because I didn't really see, I mean, in the in a very sheltered, sheltered way, I never saw myself as being different because I saw a girl with dark hair, right? And so that, yeah. you know, which I know is not the exact answer and it's not necessarily fair, uh, but that's just me being a little kid. I'm like, oh, you know, here's the lead girl. You know, like all the princess movies were me, right? Because they're princess with dark hair. Yeah, that makes sense. Or like Rapunzel. But, you know, like, otherwise, everyone has a, has a brunette. Like, same thing with me and same thing with my mom. Like, we're very fair skin. We are light skin in that mm-hmm. sense. And so as a sheltered little kid, I did not know better. So I did not see myself as not being represented before that reason. I was saying live action as well. Like, we had Gina Davis. We had Sigourney Weaver. We have really great. I'm a millennial. So anything in the 90s, yeah. we had the best box office movies with really great females, right? Or female leads. And so... I think that is why I write how I write as well for that reason, which I mean, it works in my benefit for being so sheltered and not knowing better. But to answer your question in regards to me being Latina, um, probably anything Selma Hayek, right? Like in the 90s as well, we had all the gangster movies, like we were Cholos, we were gangsters, right? So anything Edward James Almos, anything that took place here in East LA, right? We're, we're just a, we're a gangbanger, which is not me. I don't see myself as a gangbanger, but I am East LA. Sure. And so... 90s so any of those you know there's a million of them that just came out in the 90s selena of course we had selena so anything though selma hayek was my was much you know came before jennifer lopez did so that would be my answer and then last time was yesterday we had america chavez i saw dr strange last night so i was really happy and she's indigenous and she's literally 16 which is super amazing that they actually got a girl to play her age which you know that never happens yeah Yeah. very rarely happens and good for victoria alonso as well uh, she, she's one of the, the VPs. And so really great. Um, you know, and they treated her just like a girl as opposed to here's your Latina stereotype. They're like, here, you're a girl that's a superhero, which is the same as all the other superheroes. So I appreciate that a lot. For sure. Um, I haven't seen you, it. You, you, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing it after uh, this. <laughs> well, okay, cool. Um, on that note, though, um, my personal experience, um, you actually triggered a memory for me because uh, mm-hmm. it was... Uh, my third grade teacher that had us watching um, Stand and Deliver. And I think that was the first time I saw, uh, what you call it, uh, people that look like me on TV and stuff. You really had uh, to go there, huh, Dex? Stand and Deliver. It's a good movie. And you're a teacher. I am a teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
I'm sure the fact that Edward James almost visited our middle school didn't have any, you know. Um, wow. Yeah, Wait, he visited was, your middle school. He did. He um, so he's dyslexic, and so he was doing this reading initiative thing in the um, early 2000s, and um, he would visit to middle schools for winners who we had reading competitions like and. I was the nerdy kid that decided I'm going to read a single novel a day for the next 30 days. And oh. so my, my drama teacher had like um, a lot, a slew of novels. Oh God. I just realized I'm my, not my drama teacher now because I also have a slew of novels in my classroom. Is this uh, is it the same as this is the same drama teacher that you recorded? Yes. It was that same drama teacher. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, if you catch one of the episodes, actually we haven't released it yet. You'll oh hear yeah, about it. it's You'll gonna hear be about released it. soon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> long story short, Caden. Um, a, lo- a while ago, um, it, it, we're in a future episode we're releasing called um called Time I Fucked Up. It was uh, it was uh, we were talking going through Reddit uh, the Reddit thread Tifu, and um, that was a time I fucked up when um I yelled at my drama teacher. Um, <laughs> I yelled at my drama teacher because he messed up his lines when we were um in the production together. <laughs> and it got caught on um Mike. <laughs> it, it's embarrassing, but uh that's beside the point. Joe, you're getting us off topic. Just off point. That's my that's uh you know, that's my that's the thing that I do. By the way, Ken, in case you don't know, the even the, the podcast is called Just Off Point. And Dexter's the one who's supposed to rein me in when I get off topic. Supposedly. <laughs> Supposedly. Right. Um and back to what we were saying though, um yeah, my first experience was um stand and deliver. Um but my answer before you uh, mentioned that was going to be um, the 1990s Green Lantern. Um, and it mm-hmm. was like, um, that's one of the reasons why he was my favorite superhero. Um, there was a 90s Green, Green Lantern? Yeah, Kyle Rayner. He was the... Wait, uh, are you talking about like the In the comic? comics, in the comics. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, so I'm like yeah. slightly confused. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I just remember that it was a very iconic thing. Hal Jordan had just lost his ring. He... Um, and then his ring went out and sought somebody new. And you go and you sing um, uh, some sort of beach. I think it's like supposed to be Venice Beach. And there's this dude with like, you know, black hair, that uh, black hair that looks like me. And he's got a, a Raiders logo behind him. And I'm just like, oh, that's I cool. I didn't pay you for a Raiders fan. I'm not a Raiders fan. I'm a Rams fan. But I still was just like, oh. That's... I was about to judge you heavily. Now I'm ju- judging you heavier. I know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's far and few between. Um, kind of like Hayden was saying, a lot of the times we see ourselves in media, it's the it's the cholo, it's the gangster, it's the drug dealer, it's the bad hombre, so to speak. Um, and it's not until recently that we're starting to see like some of those stereotypes start to be broken, which kind of makes me want to ask Hayden, um, your series, um, the Alabrava series. Um, first off, I want to say, love it, phenomenal. Um. Uh, each and every character is just um, unique individual. They're um, well crafted, and we kind of wanted to talk to you about your inspiration behind them. Sure. Uh, well, originally, it's just, I started with the base that I wanted to see a Latino superhero on the big screen, and I still do. I mean, we have America Chavez, great. Uh, she is an amazing supporting actress, uh, but she doesn't have her standalone yet, or we don't have our standalone, and that's kind of what I still want. And so. And there could obviously be more than one, just like there's more than one white male superhero in the world. 
And so I still want a Latino Super on this big screen. And this was me in 2019. I was like, okay, I want to see a Latino Super. Let me write one out. So I shot a, I wrote out a feature length screenplay and I shot a sizzle. So like a short film so I can show people, you know, just so we'd be like, right, here's the tone. This is what are, this is Flocorico, da, 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 you know, like little basic things uh, for the people that don't understand what that means. And so everybody asked me for a comic book. And then every single time I was saying, I was said no, right. Cause I don't do comics and I never read a comic prior to that. And so I eventually, I, I was like, okay, cool. Everyone wants a comic. Everyone thinks there's a comic of Jalisco. That was my first one. And so I just pivoted and I made a comic and I, I chose a graphic novel because it made more sense business-wise for me. And then I went and did the rest of them. And so that started in 2019, September 2019 was the first book and that's Jalisco. Um, so that was my inspiration was just representation. And really it was for my desire to see a Latino Super on screen. It was very, very simple. It's just that I wanted this. And so I'm working towards that, you know? And so I'm still doing the stepping stones to get there. But that was the inspiration behind it. Obviously, there's more thought of it, but that was a very, that's a very basic, easy answer for it. You know, and then it's also what kind of Latinos are there, right? Like, there's so many more extra folds to it. For sure. And um, you do have yourself uh, across the board because you have your Jalisco with um, somebody from Jalisco. You have Mm -hmm. uh, your Tejano in Santa. You have your Boricua in uh, Loquita. You have your Isla girl in Ruka. And then you have your... um, in Bandita, you have your um, Dominican girl. Yeah. So, then, yeah, on, so you, you mentioned real quick a Jalisco, and I'm like, uh, when I, I think it was one of your posts on Instagram where you put them all side by side, all the books. And mm-hmm. the first thing I noticed was Jalisco. And I'm like, like, like I, I didn't even know that it was the, uh, so it was the first book in, in the series of um, other characters that you had. And I was looking at that book and I'm like, this is amazing character design. I'm like, she's got the skirt and she's got the blades. I'm like, I, I, I want to read that. And that's actually the first thing that I asked. Actually, Dex, you have to let me borrow Jalisco right now. And so <laughs> I've only read two, um, which is actually the the big, the big first one and the last one, I believe, which is mm-hmm. Bandita's the... How many are there? Five, six? Yeah, there's five. Yeah, Jalisco and Bandita are the first and last. Okay, yeah. So, uh, so I read like either ends. I haven't gone through the to the middle stuff yet, but you know what? Uh, so far, already is just like Alisco's, uh, like uh, the, the one. This is my favorite so far. Wow, that's pretty good. Okay, well, read the others. I'd like to hear your your thoughts on them. But yeah, oh, no, Alisco. Uh, the inspiration behind Alisco, my mom danced Flocorico growing up, which is the Mexican dance with the big dress that you were saying. And my grandma's the Jalisco, or is from Jalisco. So that's where she was born. And right outside of Guadalajara, which is also part of the story in Jalisco as well. She has to walk into town. And so I kind of just merged everything I knew in regards to my family in that book. Everyone's names, except for the word Jalisco, but everyone's names otherwise is actually a member of my family, of my greater family. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So uh, the mentor is called Adela, and she's the Adelita. That is actually my grandma's name, Adela, the one that's from Jalisco because it makes sense you know and like it's an extra extra bonus for me honestly it means nothing for the story rocky is my aunt right the raquel but we called her rocky and that's her best friend you know her you know one of her supporting friends and so she was my favorite aunt you know so like they're little things that i was like of course i can name a character rocky why not uh and so they're little extra things that i just i infused in that story that's pretty awesome. It's um, you always hear people do their self-insert character. Now you just uh, you did the Latina thing. You self-inserted your family. Yeah, <laughs> so. I mean, I wouldn't put myself in the thing. Like, why would I know who I am? It has nothing to do with the stories. The, the, uh, <laughs> the thought of inserting family members in a story would scare me. <laughs> oh, I've, I've actually uh, self-published 
two books, but we'll only talk about one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I've actually never done that. You know, I should totally do that. Just like add some real names from my family in there. Maybe I'll put in a Dexter in there somewhere. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I learned that from Matt Groening. He did that actually with The Simpsons. Like, he literally has a family member called Bart. You know, like, how cool is that? Uh, and so I was like, if he can do it, I can do it with my regular family members' names. Sure. Definitely. Um, Joe, you had a question about, you know, the art style. Um, yes. So um, how did you go about, actually, I, I've also noticed yeah. that um, I need more blood. No. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, the, um, oh, by the way, just like side commentary, it's still on point. Uh, Bandita. When I was reading that, I also I had the feeling that there was that the way that the story was being told, there was gonna be like this payoff at the end. And uh, when I saw the payoff, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm okay with this. This is this okay, is good. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I was saying like, uh, at least ben I was like, Bandita had blood, and meanwhile Jalisco's like, she's playing with knives. Not enough blood. But um, <laughs> is, is is this more of a stylistic choice, or is it like a uh, or is there like a an age group we're trying to reach for? Um, tell me about it. Yeah, it's both. The answer is both. I'm not Tarantino. I'm not going to put blood gashing in every corner for no reason. I absolutely do not write like that, nor is that my audience. My audience, I realized after Jalisco came out, a lot of little girls, a lot of kids, but little, little girls, they all run up and a lot of them can't read it yet because mm -hmm. my, the, the issues are social justice matters and so they all are dark which is unfortunate but they are right like who gets we don't get our justice because high school is femicide and that's been going on since the 70s and probably prior but we just started you know figuring that in the 70s 50 years later they're still getting killed left and right you know and nobody does anything about it banditas domestic violence so you can't give that to like a little five-year-old you know not yet at least and so i have to and some of the stylistic choices um, and I obviously I do recommend or do not recommend some of the books to the adult, to the parents with the kids are there for the, for, you know, for the obvious reasons that they probably shouldn't be reading that at this time. But if the parent decides that's on the parent, not me, but that's why a lot of them are not necessarily cutaways, but they're silhouettes. So when the person does get killed, it's a silhouette shape and you just see the blood or you see whatever extra on the after shot, you know, on the, the next panel. Oh, so real quick about that though. Like uh, a little spoilers for everybody. <laughs> like, okay. <clears throat> the, the light, cross marks on 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 the last part on one of the last pages of Alisco. i'm like okay so uh, when i saw that like there's no blood but that is pretty dope <laughs> it's, it's it's simple like you know like obviously she got cut over here and i'm like wow okay yeah i'm okay visually in my mind because i i I direct as well as I write in film. And so in my mind, I already know how that shot's going to go. So that one, she throws the blades out towards the wall and they ricochet off the walls and then they cross through the neck, right? So visually, like when I shoot it, we're not going to have the silhouette. It's just like, you have so many panels within a page, within the page maximum that you have to have. And then it's like, okay, my audience is seven and older, right? Like adults read it. I have, I have my books read in colleges, which is something really amazing. I did not know any of this would happen. But I do know lots of kids, lots of little kids read it as well. And so I kind of have to find the balance between the two. Like the adults will get it. Maybe the kids will. Maybe they won't. But that's okay as well. You know, when, when their mind gets up to it, they'll figure it out. Sure. You know, you brought it back to what you were saying earlier about, um, you know, um, age uh, target audience. Um, 
my coworker, I had uh, I had just come from WonderCon, having bought like um, your first four books, and uh, well, I was I was like telling the world about it. I was like, "Yo, you gotta check this out, check this out." And then one of my coworkers was like, "Oh, that's pretty cool. Should I show it to my six year old daughter?" And I was like, "No, <laughs> <laughs> um, not yet." But um, it's because of exactly what you said. I was like, "Oh, this is great. This is awesome. These are um, the dark themes that you're talking about. That the real mm-hmm. themes." um are prevalent and they should they should be talked about and um i was even talking to some coworkers about like using these as um intros to our units because some of the creator themes uh the femicide of um uh, deportation of um even mental health are things that like we see in other pieces of literature and this is a good segue for kids to understand like you know oh this is a prevalent issue this is something that's in your community oh here's something about it at large now write an essay about it like that yeah and then what's for you because i know you have um, you have kids you teach kids loquita is the favorite among middle school and high schoolers just by like me watching the data and watching what the kids choose right she's not my supernatural teen detective and all you say is that and they pick it up right and like because what is she fights you know demons goblins ghosts and ghouls while she still goes to school it's really cute that one's the softest and that one i do recommend at the end of the day something i let the parent choose whether or not it's for the kid because they're all very you know different in the mentality but that one I do, that one I've, I mean, I've had younger kids read my books, whether or not they understand again is a different story, but. You yeah, know, I, like, think, I think, uh, cause I was rereading your books and um, I think uh, uh, Lokita went up for me after I did a reread. And I think it was probably influenced by like, okay, let me think of my, have my kids in mind when I was uh, picking and choosing like what things I liked. And yeah. um, so you didn't see this because you haven't read Lokita yet, but um. I, one of the, the the dad is actually one of my favorite characters because yeah. he's like um he's super chill and he's like the guy that's like oh you you need to get pads no worries i got you he's not like that guy that's like you know oh i don't want to talk about this stuff and um i uh me and a lot of other male coworkers try to be like that because it's like you kind of have to like be the role model that you see for like you know girls to see like you know these are just normal bodily functions it's like you know not something to be ashamed of yeah thank you i appreciate that yeah he's a fun character i very much like him he's loosely based on my dad because my dad is a very very funny and so i kind of did i was just like okay i'll give one good dad role and so that was the one <laughs> so because if you notice in the other books the dads don't exist or the dad and bundy the, the dad is bad of course yeah. and so you know like because you know you do get the you get the range that is, you know, the truth of different types of guys and based on how they were raised, unfortunately. And so I was like, okay, some dads are great. Let me give this one cool one. And so he's, he plays a major part, you know, of course, you know, keep those up for me. Awesome. So another question I got for you, though, is um, you ch- uh, your team, um, I know that you um, have um, people that you work with extensively on all of them. I, I can't, re- mm-hmm. I, I, excuse me, I don't remember each and every person, but um. I know that you were using some art uh, artists or color or letter de- designers, um, but how did you go about choosing your team for each book? So the first one I looked online, I looked through Instagram really. So there's hashtags women who draw and women who illustrate. And so that's where I started, right? Cause I didn't know any artists at that time cause I come from film. And so I was like, okay, pivot, let me find first, oh, you know, let me find artists cause I don't have any artists at all. And so th- what that did, it figured out, I figured out my tone, which is really nice. I went through so many different people's Instagrams and their, you know, the portfolios and their website, whatever, you know, wherever they had on Deviant or Tumblr, it really didn't matter for me. 
And I screenshot, I was like, I like the style. I like the style. And so that's how I figured out what my style was. Right. So that's amazing. And then I was like, okay, what girl's going to do the style. And then, you know, that I can also get, like if they're working for Disney, I probably cannot get them, you know? And, but it's, so I went through and I found, I found a girl, I found, you know, I wrote out a list and I started writing them or emailing them, cold emailing them. And then one of them, they were, she was based in LA she was, she was Mexican. And she, so I took her out for food and I was like, and I told her the whole breakdown, you know, I'm doing Latina artists, you know, Latina Sobrero, blah, blah, blah. And I want a Latina artist. And, and I was like, do you want to be a penciler? Which is the first one, right? She's the first one that starts on the blank page. And she's like, no, but I'll be your colorist. And I was like, great. You know, like <laughs> it was a great little rebound for me, I guess. And then she's like, and I'll give you a tweet. Uh, I have all artists follow me. And so I will give you a tweet of write whatever you want. And so she literally did. She did. She put Latina writer looking for Latina artist for Latino superhero. Some pay, drop your port. And I got 80 people responded or like they tagged people. So I went through all of those and that's how I got the rest of my artists for the first book. And so I got really lucky. All of them are amazing, you know, like, and most of them, except for one girl. So that one had six artists on it. One girl that was her, that was not her first graphic novel, but everyone else, including myself and my pencil and my, and my, sorry, and my three colorist and my letterist, that was our first book we've ever done. So really amazing, you know, and then you step up like the second book I had Eva Cabrera, I cold wrote her. She was, um, she did a Jalisco, she drew Jalisco for Inktober. And so I, ha- I found that hashtag that people had, she tagged me or whatever. And so I wrote her, I cold wrote her and like, she's, um, she's what is she's glad nominated and she's eisner nominated you know and like she works for archie comics she does veronica and kim comics so i got super lucky with her so she did santa and loquita that's why those two kind of look the same in regards to the style joe we need to take a marketing lesson from kaden (laughs) yeah (laughs) i have i have those i have those questions too but um actually so in the i guess publication order uh-huh. Were they also written in that order? Yes. Okay. So I guess my question is like, in in the uh, how how far apart were they published? Do we have like an answer to that or? So I try to do one don't... quarter each one. Now I'm doing every quarter. I have a new publication because I amped up my production because mm-hmm. I have four books going, and really in May I have five books going at the same time, which is crazy for me because I'm the I'm the money person, and so it's just mm-hmm. like okay, you got to. A bit more and so Jalisco was the test so Jalisco was just one and that started in January of 2019 and then it published in September 2019 and then so I started Santa so I hired my Santa one right afterwards because it, it did well you know within for having one book it was doing well and then I think Santa and Ruka actually started the same roughly the same time and that was pandemic time that was in 2020 and so Ruka kind of got pushed back with because my artist had, you know, was going through different things. So Ruka got pushed back. And so that one technically was not the third one. That was my fourth publication instead of my, should have been my third. And then Eva just keeps going, right? Eva's just fast because she knows what she's doing. And so Santa and Lokita. So Santa came out 2020, Lokita and Ruka came out 2021. And then Bandita just came out, I believe, in January, February of this year. And then Ala Brava comes out in two months. That's what, yeah. Uh, I mean, I can say that I'll be wait that I'm waiting for that. I still have to read the rest of the books. But yeah. Okay. So along the lines of, I, I guess uh, when it comes to um, writing graphic novels, it is a script. Yes. Yeah, I only write screenplays. I don't write comics, though. Okay. So, um, like in in the in the process of writing these stories because mm-hmm. uh, uh, like i mentioned like um i pretend to be a writer 
um so uh when it comes to the process is there something somewhere along the way where you figure okay so i'm writing a screenplay format for a graphic novel was there any change or did did the process change for you along the way like when you wrote Jalisco and then later on you were in Bendita and go like, you know what? This thing didn't work last time. Maybe it's a little bit different. Maybe this is how a graphic novel should be written as a screenplay, I guess. No, absolutely not. I, I didn't grow up with screen with graphic novels, which is like great because like if you look at how I am stereotyped or looked at or just girls in general, because Latinas don't exist in graphic novels. But, you know, girls did. And like we're so objectified where, you know, we are our three stereotypes in the world just really horrible stuff with no arcs and so I don't care about graphic novels in that sense screenplays are written well right because characters have arcs and you actually care about their storylines as well so the answer is no the only difference for me is that I can write shorter amount of pages because screenplays are generally roughly 90 plus pages mm -hmm. all my graphic novels are 60 without except for Zruka but otherwise they're 60 pages that's what I contract my artist for and so me as a screenwriter, I can write shorter 60, I can write 60 to whatever plus pages, as long as I get the story and the beats, because I, I outline everything. So as long as I have my three acts, I can still write shorter. And that's the only thing I've learned to edit myself, because otherwise I cut scenes. Like Jalisco, I cut like three scenes. Why? Because it doesn't move the story forward. It moves the character arcs forward, but not the story necessarily. So it's just extra fat. And so I cut it. Um, because if you notice in graphic novels, everyone's always moving. It's a really weird thing that I've seen because you don't have moving stills. You just have, you just have stills, obviously. And so they always have to be moving in every single frame, which I find very interesting because uh, it's just so different than film and TV. You can have people talking across, you know, on a table or whatnot, you know, for like three minutes if you watch CW, you know, but it's, you can't do that on graphic novels because it's just really boring. You just have to keep changing the angles and the sides of, or they have to be eating or they have to do something. They literally have to always be moving. Unless they're Jim Davis. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Garfield. Yeah, yeah. Oh, where is? Oh, <laughs> okay. But that's that's uh, my but... only thing that I've learned. Uh, I still write screenplays. I don't change myself though for comic books. Yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> it's funny though that when you were mentioning right now about um, not having um, unless you're CW, you went CW. My mind went Star Wars because uh, Lucas and his uh, very like you know weird prequel like way he directed them. Um, dialogue and just moving people around it was just it was a mess it was a hot mess <laughs> got it um what to call it um so you did mention about the ala brava team up can you tell us a little bit more about that or rather our audience a little bit more about that yeah so the team up is the origin story of how they became a team called ala brava super fun and i was i made it bigger so it is social justice issues because that is what the ala brava world is about the mm -hmm. universe and so I was like, okay, what haven't I done? And I haven't done the MRA. I haven't done um, just equality, honestly, is what I call it. But I haven't done feminism uh, or female equality. And so the opposite of that is MRA to me. And so, you know, toxic masculinity. And so it's so easy because I was like, okay, who's bringing down, who's oppressing us, which is everybody, but who's oppressing us right now in this time when it's the billionaires? And it's like proving my point because I wrote this like a year and a half ago. But it's, you know, it's literally the billionaires. It's like they can make change for positive. And they're like, no, let's buy Twitter. You know, it's just like, why? Why buy social media that we already have? It means nothing. And so it's just absurdities. Like, I don't think, you know, this is the privilege people don't see how much change that they can do unless it's like it touches, you know, their own nose kind of deal. 
And so now that they're, so they're a part of it. I, I'm not going to tell you the story per se, but it's, it is about equality and the gist of it. This one's more kind of a detective one. Cause I do default Batman. I, I grew up a lot with Batman. And so every female figure within the government structure is being killed off one by one. And so the highest one is the president and the president is female in this movie and in this um, script. And so they are, they're trying to protect her from being killed. I'm now oh. I'm like really looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's also spoilers. There's a movie coming out. She's <laughs> in the future. Uh, you, you heard it I first mean, here. My plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, before I read the books, it was Dexter who told me about it because he did buy the stuff from WonderCon. And uh, he just told me like the concept of it all and go like, you know, she totally like pitch this to a streaming platform. Maybe there'll be like a limited series of it, you know, yeah. and um, would that be, would that be something that you'd be interested in as opposed to, you know what? Here's a simple question. Uh, TV slash streaming or movie? Both. Well, it so doesn't it's... matter. I've I've asked people. So when Alisco came out, Warner Brothers brought me in, Disney brought me in, and Netflix brought me in. And then during the pandemic, I had Miramax bring me in, and I had so it's whack. And same thing. I've been brought in by different networks, and I'm still. I just had Apple last month, and so it's not like it's slowing down. It's not like um, it's going to go. It'll take a while, is my answer. I don't know whether it's going to be animated or live action or TV or film. But like, think of Ninja Turtles. It really doesn't matter. Think of Batman. It doesn't matter. Right, because you had both. You still do you have, have both, a preference? Right? I'm sorry. Do you have a preference, whether if it's a CG or live action or? I like live action. I for me, it makes more sense because they're more dark. Unless you do like, if you do animated, it's more justice. Like you know, like HBO Max has really great animated features for adults. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, they do they do really good ones as well, but. I'm not opposed to, I'm not going to say no, you know, unless it completely goes against everything I want, but like, I'm not going to say no otherwise, because one gets you the other regardless. That's true. Yeah. Um, okay. At the end of the day, it's like the whole point of this episode, uh, as long as we get the representation out there, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, so long as it doesn't turn into a sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've, I've heard, I, I just like hear or read funny. about horror stories. Like oh, I became a sitcom. Why? <laughs> That'd be really funny if they were like friends, like in New York or something, but the LA version of it. Oh god, that'd be actually just, really cool. I'm yeah. I'm having flashbacks to you. Remember when Cowboy Bebop came out on Netflix, Joe? Um, what what and, are you talking about? Uh, um, there was some Reddit post where somebody um put the Seinfeld um laugh tracks, laugh tracks to <laughs> horrible. Oh man, still need to finish that. I need to muscle through that. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I did. You finished it? I didn't know. Yes, I did. Okay. Um, good for you. Um, so I think this brings up to my like last major question, though. Um, obviously, it's awesome that this you're creating a series like this. Obviously, it's really cool that we got a side, uh, America Chavez as a side character in a major motion picture. Um, but what is um, we need more obviously representation, but um. Where do you think people should be looking at? Like, what are a series that you've seen or things that you see maybe at cons that you think um, would be a great place for people to see as the next big thing? The next big thing? I mean, money equals power. If you notice, like, people buy what they can, what they find profitable. It's very, very easy. Like, I was approached by a distribution company. 
uh, on my last con, which is really amazing. And so, because I, I self-publish, and so they want to publish me now, which is, you know, we're, we're in talks, we're saying, but like it's, and they're not the first because I have my things, but it's just really amazing that I think, same thing like I was saying, I think money is power. And so in that regard, if you show your support and you're posting this, or you're always like talking about this to whomever, you don't, you never know who's listening. And so I think that's part of the, the reason that the thing that we have as, as the public was we have that power and we get to decide that. Um, Cause after a point you have the tipping point and then you have no choice, right? They have no choice, but to follow it. And so what I'd support whatever, whatever you want to see on the big screen. I mean, I, I bought Heartstopper and that's Scholastic. You know, I'm definitely not a Scholastic kid, but it doesn't matter. It's Scholastic and I support them because they have really great books. And so Heartstopper got, um, whatever life option for Netflix. And it's like, it's a, it's a gay series. It's so great. Oh, you know, and like, Korean looking one? Uh, it looked like a key drama. Um, yeah. It's super kid, but it's really cute. It's high school. It's just high school kids. And like two of them are gay. And then the other ones are lesbian, you know, like, and it's just very sweet and it's not tragic. Like they always give us our tragic, like, here's your backstory. This is what's going to happen to you. Junk. Right. That, that is a stereotype for queers, including myself. Yeah. And so it's just like, here's a different world and it's nice, you know, something that we don't get, which is very important. We just don't get that niceness. And so, of course, I watched it, you know, like I said, I'm not the audience and not the target audience, but who cares? I will absolutely watch it because I can write later. I can see, OK, this is where the world is turning, hopefully, you know, instead of our horrible stereotypes. So I would just say watch what you support and then also just promote it. Always just promote because it works. Like I got found on Instagram from Comic-Con. Like they literally found me on Instagram and I don't have that many followers, but they found me and they're like, Hey, pitch a panel. Here's a free table. And I was like, okay. Right. And, you know, and I'm, I'm very, fairly new. I really have, I think at that time I had three books or two books. Um, but it works because I, you know, marketing is promotion, right. I promote myself. I think that's the major thing. Um, you do a lot of great promotion. And I think that's, uh, <laughs> I think, uh, the series is obviously amazing, but I think, uh, the sheer veracity of which I see like you know you posting that's something that Joe and I um have had issues with in the past because we suck at social media we, yeah. we are hermits <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, that's one thing that we gotta learn about you know doing that stuff <laughs> it feels so weird but we, we we have like Instagram personas now I'm glad you have. Yeah, it's it's just free marketing. Otherwise, people pay for that stuff. But here you can post for free. Like, why does why don't you utilize it? Or you could just pay them, and same thing. You're still posting, but you're paying for it, and doesn't, you know, they give you the guaranteed views, but it's really the same people over and over viewing them. So, but you know, like you might as well utilize your free marketing tools if you know your audiences. Like Twitter is old people, Instagram are millennials, right? Snapchat, that's not um, the new TikTok is boomers, right? Like who do you want? Facebook is actually just your friends and you're very close people, right? But you know your audience and figure that out. Yeah, we've almost abandoned our posting on Facebook. Running down notes, Snapchat, young kids, TikTok, okay. Twitter, old people, okay. That's just me, that's what I say, but I'm a millennial and so we're very, very humble. I'm not disagreeing. (laughs) I'm not disagreeing either. Um, okay, I, I have a hard because... question. I have a hard question. Okay. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite movie? Oh, that is a very hard question. Um, my I first, know. in what genre? Good response. Okay. You know what? There's a I lot have of genres. 
Okay, okay. How about the one favorite movie that made you want to write? Or at least gave you like, hey, this is something I want to do, tell stories. That's a great one. Okay, so for comedy, which I do not write comedy, and I don't care for comedy, but Kung Fu Hustle is my favorite. It's oh, yes. funny. He's great. <laughs> Stephen Chow's is absolutely great. Right, like that one I can watch over and over, and it's comedy. And it's like, okay, I'll do is it. Is it really a comedy though? It's yeah, really, I mean, it's it's got comedic elements, but man, it's a, <laughs> well, it's that's comedy. my answer. We're yeah. gonna keep, we're gonna keep that one for comedy. Oh yeah, okay. Um, for a heartfelt whale rider, absolutely whale rider is such a great movie because it's not Disney, but they did it like a Disney movie, and they did it great. And Tell that's me about that. I, I, I yeah, I've never heard of that, that either. Oh, you guys. All right, write that down. Uh, Nikki Caro did it. She's from New Zealand. She's an amazing director. She actually did the Mulan live action movie. She's really great. Um, so I also follow, obviously, directors. But uh, Whale Rider is about a girl. So it's kind of like Moana in that sense, where it's an indigenous tribe. And the she's the princess, technically. But the daddy's so old school. He's just like, no, a male has to be the next leader. You cannot be. So the dad starts training all these other boys within her age you know, to be the next leader. And the boys, they try their best, but everything that they do, they kind of mess up. And the girl does it like, there's an example where he throws the necklace on the bottom of the ocean. He's like, go get it, right? Because that's one of your tests. And so all the kids fail. And then the girl asked the mom, the mom later, she's like, why is the dad so mad? And she's like, oh, she lost his necklace. She didn't say it was a test. He's like, she lost his, he lost his necklace. And so she literally goes over there and gets it for him and gives it to him like nothing. Right. But like she literally passes every single test um, without even thinking about it because she's the natural born leader. She's literally the next one in line. Um, so I like it. I mean, it's I just mean, like okay. cool. That sounds really yeah. awesome. Um, I'm so just it's like, it's right like a plot of yeah. a Disney film that's not a, that's not a Disney yeah, film. Yeah, it's much better. <laughs> okay. Than it's pretty film. cool. It came out around the same time. Uh, well, 2003. Three, four years later. I decided to be Yeah, quick. me too. I'm like, uh, what is this whale rider? Four years cool. after, I saw, years the, after? I saw the still of a photo with a. I think maybe that's the main character with a with a paint on her. And I'm yeah, like, looks pretty cool. Well, where, is, where the, is this? What is this? What's the origin? Oh, it's in New Zealand. New Zealand. Yeah, okay. in New Zealand. Yeah. She's the youngest actress ever nominated for best picks for best actress, actually, wow. because of that yeah. movie. And that one, it was what... stuff that we didn't hear about. I feel horrible. <laughs> well. Anyway, watch it. That one, that one, I was the main Nikki Caro as well. Like everything, like these are just great. I say the other one, not you know, but these are great movies. Um, another one is Life or is it Life or something? Not Life or something like that. Life um, or something like it. It's not that one. That's the Julie one. There's okay. one that they're remaking that Beyonce bought the rights of, um, Imitation of Life. So if you want a classic, that's my favorite classic movie, Imitation of Life, and that one's super well written. Oh, that is, yeah. Um, very, very old, but that one, like my grandma's favorite movie. So it's also one of my favorite movies, but those are the three, I guess, for writing wise, I'd be, and cinema, you know, cinematography. Okay. What's right. your, what's your go-to like, you know, um, cozy time movie. Um, <laughs> that's, that's how I describe it. I was like, if, if I just feel bad, I always watch the princess bride. It always makes me feel better. I like that. Uh, I like fearless. I like martial arts movies though. Nice. Uh, but fearless for always is always a very cool one i don't have go time go to movies though to be honest to be honest with you i just go to bed and so that's <laughs> like, if i'm done i'm like forget i'm in bed i'll think um, of a movie while i go to sleep and it's my <laughs> um oh look somebody with an actual working sleep schedule joe <laughs> oh yeah i mean like i'm up on a weekend at it's i was up at 7 30 
Where this is a weird. this is a first for you. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Joe's fiance is in the Philippines, so he's on Filipino time more oh. so than usual. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I do have another question, which is kind of related to, to the first one. So I did ask. You know, these are the films that made you mm-hmm. want to write. What about the films that made you want to deliver the message, the one that you're, um, um, you want to, you, you want to, oh God, I can't find words. And they call, so I, me, and they call what, myself an editor. You do it. Sure. Um, I think what Joe's trying to say, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that like, what, what, what emboldened you to want to write against the stereotypes? There you go. That's a great question. Um, you worded it better than I did. <laughs> What, as in what movies, or just what in general? Um, let's go with movies, but in general works too. So what movies, Sound of Music, I grew up with lots of musicals. My grandma loves musicals, and so I grew up with Sound of Music, like, on repeat, and Mary Poppins on repeat, right? And so, <laughs> but Sound of Music, if you think about it, like, it's a great story, but what is, you know, it's the backdrop of World War II, mm-hmm. you know, and they're just literally trying to survive. And so it's just that extra layer of, here's a great story, and character arts, blah, 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 you know, and I've seen Song and Dance, but what is it really trying to tell you you know there's all of them have underlying messages imitation of life as well underlying messages they all have something really same thing obviously um well writers as well right what are they actually trying to tell you and I, so, I, yeah I, I see that influence in your own writing where there's a major message and then there's the underlying theme too so yeah so i kind of i think just based off all the movies or a lot of the movies that i've seen you know they're you are imparting knowledge. They're all coming of age stories, but you know, coming of age, you grow and you learn. And hopefully you as an audience member grow with the character as well. Um, I'm going to share something real quick because and I told you the story before, Joe, but um, the thing that emboldened me to like, you know, want to be more speak out against, you know, um, ignorance, because uh, as a teacher, that's one something I wanted to do is um. I was in a college class. We it was a poetry one one class, and we were reading Langston Hughes' theme for English B. And it's a to summarize the poem briefly. The it's about um, an African American student who's attending, who's the only a black person in his all white school, and the teacher says, "Write about what makes you you," and I, he says, "Well, I could write about anything, but at the end of the day, you're just going to see me as this black kid." Um, and we might like the same things. We might like um, smoke uh, to have a smoke in the afternoon. We might like to listen to a record, but you're still going to see me as just the black kid in the room. And the I, I got right away that the the teacher was saying like you know oh, um, in spite of our differences, we need to. Langston Hughes is talking about like um, we need to break the barriers and come together because at the end of the at the end of the poem, he says like you know maybe one day you'll see me as somebody that other than just the black kid in the room. Yeah. And, um, God, I remember that there's a lot of people in that class that were very ignorant, very privileged, and they just didn't get the message. They were thinking that it was this like, Oh, this is a poem about, you know, um, being American and just like, um, being like everybody else. Like, and they were saying, I'm not, I don't, uh, I mean, I'm have Asian national history, but I don't see myself as Asian American. That's the, I just see myself as American. A lot of people were saying that. And I was like, damn that made my skin crawl made me angry because i was just like i'm chicano i'm like you know latino i'm what you're called part filipino and i was just like all these things i am and i'm just like why would you throw away your culture to say this like i'm not part of this i don't have respect for those that came before so to speak and um 
I I was trying to do that. I I had a big angry talk with um the class, and I was just like trying to keep calm because also didn't want to be the angry Latino in the room. <laughs> and uh, I remember emailing my professor after the fact, and I said, "Hey, I apologize if I took us off point, if I got us off track." And she was just like, "No, thank you for bringing the class back on track." And, and that was kind of like the the my personal stepping stone of being like, you know, okay, this is something I feel passionate about and I want to do. I like that. No, I mean, the white people, this is generalizing, but whites, you know, like they know colonization, they know imperialism, and that is what they know. They know how to destroy and genocide. They know how to kill people. So do they have any respect for their history? No, of course not. They don't have respect for anybody. This is just me very generalizing, though. So just know that. But, you know, it's true, like, to say that you're American, you're like, great. So is everybody here in America? Who cares? You know, it's just, you just don't know any better because you're just ignorant to the fact like bias is learned. You probably learned it from your parents, from your parents' ignorance as well. And then from your grandparents, unfortunately, um, but you were raised better. And that's the difference. Oh uh, yeah. Thanks for that. I appreciate yeah. that. And um, well, Kaden, thank you. Uh, Joe, you got anything else you got to say? <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> yeah, we'll, right. we'll have a marketing session after this. And you know what? Um, out, out of all the offers that you've had, I'm pretty sure that this is the high point for, in this podcast. This is it. You know you've made it. So <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm, I'm, I'm projecting it. I've tried. I've tried to project it to the universe. Like this is it. This will, you know, this is what gets you on the map. <laughs> yeah, we had the guy that killed Optimus Prime. Now we have Caden Phoenix. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, by the way, awesome superhero name. I don't know how you came up with that name. <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah. You know <laughs> no, but I mean? it's 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 a cool it's a cool name. Very superhero like. Thank you. I've gotten that so much, and I was like, "That's cool." So, Kaden means warrior in Japanese, and then in Gaelic, it means spirit warrior, which I didn't know. But someone told me, and I was like, "That's really cool. I'll take it, right?" Because I'm I'm a fighter regardless, and so. Speak your daughter name. <laughs> <laughs> It's a cool name, man. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So, Joe, do you want to take us away? Yes. So this has been this has been just 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 off point. Um, and um, before we go, Kaden, before... you want to plug in any social? Yes, or anything? actually, yeah. yes. Yeah. So my social media on TikTok and Instagram is Latina Superheroes. That is plural. O E S. So Latina Superheroes, and then my website where you can get the books is latinasuperheroes.com. Awesome. And um, we look forward to seeing many more of your works, the Alabrava series, the Majestics, which we didn't get the chance to talk about, but I'm looking forward to that too. Next time. Yeah. Next time. Yeah. Definitely. Next time. <laughs> There'll be a next time. <laughs> All right, Joe, take us away. All right. And this has been Just Off Point. We're your hosts. I'm Joe. And I'm Dexter. And this is where we've been Just Off Point. That was fun. Yay, thank yeah, you. Yeah, that was really fun. Kaden, thank, thank you for yeah. coming over to our show. Um, You're welcome.